Hello, and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Human Design with Victoria Jane. Here, we have candid, insightful conversations about human design and what it's like living your experiment. We'll hear from entrepreneurs, healers, and growth-oriented folks as they practice living their design. And we use these conversations as a space to share the challenges, wins, the ahas and learning moments of living in alignment with your truest life. There's no one right way to do it, and these conversations are here to reassure, expand, and inspire you on your own human design experiment. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited for today's conversation with HDCC grad, Tanya. Um, There are a lot of people who come through the Human Design Coaching Certification that use the information in more behind-the-scenes ways, whether that's in an existing coaching practice or with their families. And then there are the people, there are the people who come in and they're just all in from the beginning. And Tanya is one of those people. She was in the first round back in 2020 and was working a corporate job then and had learned, you know, knew she was a reflector and was like, I I want to know more about all of this. And since since completing HDCC, she has left her corporate job and now it has a whole business around reading um, readings and human design mentorship and for families, especially. I think she has such a valuable reflector perspective. So it's been incredible to watch her grow since since then and also to have this conversation with her because yeah, there are so many different facets of human design that we talk about. Of course, she speaks to being a reflector and, you know, surprise and the lunar cycle with more nuance than I think, um, well, with a lot of nuance, right? Having a background in human design. And we also get into other topics that will be helpful for all the other designs too. She has a partner who's a generator. So we talk about what their schedules and sleep routines look like as well as alone time. We're both second line um, profiles on the unconscious side. So we've got two hermit bodies talking about alone time. And also the undefined G is another area we get into as well. And I talk a lot about location and and looking for direction because that's been a theme for me. And it's great to hear how it shows up in Tanya's life. And We also wrap up on purpose and how that's ever evolving and how she's seeing it show up in her own experiment. So there's a lot of nuggets in here for everyone. Hope you enjoy. And as a final reminder, uh, the Human Design Coaching Certification, this 12-week program, which is currently open for enrollment, is starting next week on Wednesday the 13th. And I haven't run a live round um, since last year. So if you've been thinking about going deeper into human design and are really craving that that community and that integration, um, now's the time to join. We have calls every other week and I would love to see you in there if it feels right. All the information is linked below or also on the website. And if for some reason you're hearing this and maybe it's um, a little past the date and you want to st- still squeeze in, <laughs> feel free to email us at hello at victoriajane.co or on Instagram and we can we can get you in. And with that, hope you enjoy the episode. Well, hello, Tanya. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Tanya, well, we first met because you came through the first round of HDCC and since what it's been like a year and a half maybe since then you are giving readings for people you're stepping into just like such beautiful reflector wisdom I feel like I see so I wanted to have you on for a long time to to talk human design where you're at in your journey your unique reflector insights um but I'm sure we'll we'll just let the conversation flow where it takes us welcome thank you I'm so excited to chat with you yeah um, and we were just chatting before we hit record too that um, right now feels like this 
kind of in between time seasonally as spring energy starts to to move up but maybe it's not quite like a full go and as a reflector maybe we start there with just like how you're doing and like how are you feeling your own energy and the collective energy right now yeah it's so interesting because my life feels really calm right now and I feel as though I have kind of manifested this life of ease that I had been seeking for so long but now I'm kind of pinching myself and I'm almost waiting for the other shoe to drop because things have just been so chill and not to say that I don't have work and commitments and things going on but everything the pace of everything just feels really easeful so I'm really grateful for that but I am definitely feeling this build up of collective energy as we glide into spring and in all of my sessions in the last couple of weeks there has just been such strong Aries energy like so many people jumping off cliffs embracing this catalyzing energy stepping into their courage and like igniting this inner fire within them to make big changes in their lives and I feel as though I'm just kind of chilling over here you know and more kind of being like a stepping stone for these people but collectively I definitely have feel the shift like almost as if any day now things are just going to start unfolding and flowing and people are starting to be out and about more and we're starting to make more plans and we're starting to about here where we are in the world in Kelowna BC like we have no restrictions anymore so everyone's starting to really embrace that and be out of the world again so yeah it's kind of a challenging energy for my reflectorness to feel all of this yeah, just the collective kind of build up and just sitting with it. And it makes me a little bit anxious in a way, but excited and just trying to be patient with where I'm at and just open to whatever is coming next. Mm-hmm. Well, the patience thing, I would love to dive more into, but there was something you said earlier that I feel like is really huge that I think would be really helpful for people to hear. You were like, I've been manifesting this life of ease and now it's just here. And um, maybe you could share a little bit about what was life before this period of of this ease that you're enjoying. Yeah, I've been reflecting on this a lot. And prior to HDCC, I had a full-time nine to five corporate administrative job. And I was very much working for the weekend and sitting at my desk eight hours a day, engaging with the energies of people who weren't really my people, but I kind of had to wear this hat and obviously get along with everyone, all my coworkers. And there was just a lot of pretending, I think, at that phase of my life. And I would get home after a day of work and I would just be completely spent. I would only have the energy to lay on the couch and watch TV. And I really didn't have the space to do anything else because I was just so run down. And when I took HTCC and then kind of transitioned into more of a part-time type of arrangement at my job and was able to start facilitating readings for people. And so that was kind of the transition from the full-time corporate life that this was not aligned with my energy at all. I was very much pushing against the grain of my design. And slowly over the past year, I have arrived at a place where I just have complete autonomy over my schedule and how many bookings I welcome into my life in a week and the things I say yes to and even things like booking this podcast with you, for example, having the flexibility to say, can we do it a month from now? Because that <laughs> gives me time to honor my authority. And yeah, so now being at this place where I am able to wake up and be surprised by my day because every day is different is so special. And I'm so grateful to be here, but it is kind of 
such a contrast from how I've lived my life up until this point that I feel like sometimes is there something else I'm supposed to be doing right now when it feels like mm. not much is going on, you know? So what's the relationship then between the ease that you're describing and surprise? Because in some ways, when you say like, oh, you know, I wake up and it's like, should something be happening? I mean, when you say that, I can hear the, that's not really like a good surprise kind of energy. But then with the, you know, with the signature surprise, I imagine that you feel like I'm just curious how that fits together for you. Yeah. And so, for example, this podcast, after we leave this conversation, I'm probably going to be surprised at how much fun I had, you know, and <laughs> same with like my sessions for the week. Sometimes I have a full calendar and that can make me a little bit anxious sometimes. And then after a session, I'm just so lit up and surprised by how wonderful it was. Mm. So it's almost like the surprise mm. is the after effect. Yeah. You know what? I just, I got the visual in my head of like, you know, you with your totally open design and like, it's almost like just things happen and like little parts of you get lit up and you're like, Ooh, that was, that was like a yummy cookie. Is, I mean, that's probably my own taste, like cognition determination, but it's like, you just get little hits and they feel good. Like that's dropping in for me around like what surprise could feel like. Not that I'll ever know exactly in the way that you do, but. Yeah, so cool. definitely. Just like a little hint of sparkle in my life I guess and it's definitely not literal surprise I'm actually someone who doesn't like to be surprised with things on short notice for example <laughs> like, that is just not my cup of tea I need lots of time to prepare myself for like a social engagement or a weekend away kind of thing I'm not spontaneous at all which now I'm able to accept about myself, knowing that this is actually how I'm meant to operate. I don't need to be spontaneous to be fun or cool, you know? Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if your partner surprised you and was like, hey, I have a surprise weekend trip, like pack your bags, you're going to the airport in two hours, like would that be not appealing to you? He has only horrible? done that to me one time and it was special because he proposed to me and then he said he proposed to me one evening and then he said pack your bag we're leaving for New York in five hours and he had planned this because he wanted to propose in the intimacy of our own home because he knew that's what I would want and he also wanted to make sure that we really lived it up and celebrated so he had planned this trip and that was the only time really that I been all in on an experience like that was just no anxiety because I was just on such a high from the engagement but uh -huh. since then no <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> regularly do things like that would you but would you like that or not based on the the like wanting more time generally speaking so the reason I think I was really able to embrace the engagement surprise trip was because my actual first response when he told me this was happening was, well, what about Winston, our dog? What about work? What about, I had this appointment. And he said, I took care of all of it. Like it's all, your appointment's canceled. Winston's going with your parents. Work knows. And so I was really able to relax into the experience. But mm. If I had a bunch of obligations or things that I had said yes to, I really don't like canceling on people. Like that's kind of the part that would make it less enjoyable for me. But mm. if he's going to take care of everything and make sure I just have like a wide open agenda for the next few days, I'm so into it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You're a responsible person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to, that's so, that's, that was a little bit of like a winding tangent, but I was just so curious to explore more of that. Um, but let's, let's go back to with where you were talking about like this, this spring energy, right? And one of the things that we had chatted about before hitting record also was just what you're observing as a reflector um, and, and working with reflectors too, because again, there's not so many and I'm sure many of them come to you because you actually get their experience in a way that's different from from many of the other folks in the human design space that are not reflectors and I thought it was um, 
yeah, I just thought it was interesting if you wanted to talk more about like, what does clarity feel like for you, even if it's been a lunar cycle, like you were saying, sometimes it's not like, oh, I automatically know. And I think this idea of just like, what does clarity feel like can be helpful even for people that are not lunar authorities, um, you know, whether you have a wave or whether you're talking things through or just even those of us with like a sacral splenic authority that could know in the moment, but sometimes there's like a lot happening, right? And a lot of us can, can learn about like, what does it take to really feel clear? So, yeah. Do you yeah. want to? I so I have one reflector client and she's a very wise woman and she is the first reflector in my that I've met in my experience who 100% without a doubt knows what clarity feels like for her she says she just feels it in her body she knows when the time is she doesn't have to track her lunar cycle because she just naturally knows in her being which I thought was so fascinating and I really hope to get to that level of wisdom one day but for me, clarity is never 100%. But when I'm making decisions from a place of groundedness and feeling calm and there's an absence of nervousness or anxiety, that's when I know I'm in a more clear place as opposed to feeling overly excited or impulsive or having this urge to do something right now or like pressure connected to the decision that is my biggest clue that it is not time to take action when I'm feeling that kind of excitable impulsivity giving into the pressure so it's just kind of dialing it back and waiting and I don't always have the opportunity to wait my full 28 days but if there is any sort of anxiety or nervousness connected to something tied with pressure like if someone is pressuring me to respond or to commit then that's just an automatic no for me because I know that that's not the energy I'm meant to engage with so I've kind of figured out a bit of a recipe for how to navigate those times when I don't have complete clarity but it's honestly rare for me to feel 100% clear about something. I think the only, I actually said this in my wedding vows to my husband, that I've never been so sure about anything as I am about marrying you because I had eight and a half years to go through the cycles <laughs> and like shimmer on whether I wanted to marry this guy. And that is honestly the only decision in my life that I have felt like without a doubt 100% so certain. But everything else is like, well, I could go this way or I could go that way. But ultimately, I kind of follow, A, what feels really good for me, and B, the option that offers me the most ease. Because I think that's what reflectors really deserve is to live a life of ease, free from the pressure to act and be, like, just be is what we really want as reflectors. So that's kind of what I follow is the path of least resistance and the least pressure and where whatever option offers me the most ease and flexibility. Hmm. So for you, that's so interesting because as you're talking about the pressure, like I can feel it too, like other people's like excitement or just like gusto for something. And like, yeah, maybe, you know, even as a non-sacral, I'm like, oh, I can kind of feel that, but that's not really me. And the question for you in here is I'm thinking about all of that is like, does ease mean, like what it feels like for you, does it usually include a lack of like energy, like, like, like mechanical energy, like we might talk about in the motor centers? Is that a requisite? Yes, honestly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is. So like if you were feeling, if you were feeling super, cause you talk about it as pressure and of course, it can be negative pressure, but even if there's like, I don't know, like higher, like more excited, um, I don't know, super jazz energy, like that would also be not, that would not fall into ease for you. Yeah, and also just 
the kind of least amount of doing too many things and running around too much. Like that is a way to spread myself super thin. And so if I can put something off for two more days, because I'm not actually going to be in that part of town. So I'm not going to push myself to go and knock this thing off my to-do list today. And I think this has really been a learning of the undefined group as well, which people can probably relate to of just having the pressure to knock all of these things off your list because that pressure can be uncomfortable to hold and it can push us to rush and rush through things to the point where I used to go to the grocery store and after it's something that I don't really enjoy doing and I would get back to my car and I would wonder did I just black out because I wouldn't even remember what I was doing in the grocery store because I was rushing so much just to get it done mm. and so that's really what ease is ultimately about for me is my ability to stay present because I'm more I'm being more compassionate I guess to my lack of yeah mechanical outward energy and really honoring the part of myself that needs things to be more simple and maybe this is part of my consecutive determination as well as this simplicity is so key for me and I think it's something that really keeps me healthy hmm. how do you so obviously there's like the food part of consecutive and simplicity there but um are there other ways you really structure simplicity into your life? I am very much a minimalist. My closet is probably has 10 things hanging in it, 10 things that I wear every day and just rotate throughout my week. I My office space, as you can see, is just clear and clean. One picture. I want yeah. one picture, which I should probably yeah, add. I wouldn't mind adding a little bit more decor, but overall it's just really an open space for me and it's something that has always been really important for me is my environment of course as a reflector and it's something that I've really over the years tied to minimalism and simplicity and in my kitchen like I'm not the person who has shelves of kitchen appliances that I don't use or like all these extra plates like I just have what we use and what we need and that's it and I have tons of space in my cupboard left like yeah I'm just really minimal I guess and I don't know if this is common to reflectors or if it would be supportive for reflectors but I think just giving ourselves as much space to breathe as possible mm -hmm. is really important yeah, that feels like the physical version of like keeping your aura clear, right? Yeah, like, definitely. Keep it keep it all super clear so you can like take things in, but also let them go. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to so I want to go back to the the ease thing and just one more piece because I was also asking somewhat for myself selfishly too. I've been all of my definition comes from the. Um, unconscious part of my design so it's like my body has the projector splenic instinct and it has my defined ashen and throat but my mind and everything on my conscious side is it's reflector so there isn't any definition that my mind is aware of and I've been noticing increasingly like just thinking about my design and those these two different halves of like cool like I might get a hit that something is done or I want to make a change or pivot but then my mind will keep ruminating about it for a while. And I think in the past, or maybe just earlier in my journey, I chalked it up to like, oh, I have such a strong mind, and it's so loud, whatever. But as I decondition more of the habitual thought programs, I'm seeing more clearly like, oh, some of this is just my, some of this is just the variables and the color and tone of my mind. And some of it is maybe this reflector mind piece of like, my mind is truly changing over time. So it was interesting to hear you talk about ease for you. And I don't know if what I just shared brings anything up for you. Um, if you if you think about like what does 
how does your mind change over a lunar cycle about things? If there's like a mental clarity that you might feel, because I, I know you just shared a bit about like the pressure, which feels more, more bodily. Is yeah, that well, when, you? when you were talking, I was thinking about times when I have remorse about getting rid of things too quickly, because sometimes I do mm. that. I'm like, oh, I don't need this. Haven't worn this. I'm just going to get rid of this. This does nothing for me. It's just cluttering space or whatever. And then a week or two weeks later, I'm like, where did I put that thing? Or where's that shirt I really want to wear? And so sometimes I, my mind is trying to be really logical about things and trying to, yeah, it's taking over in the sense that it's not letting me really feel into it and wait something out. And again, it's just acting too quickly and not giving myself enough time. But that is the number one thing that came to mind is I used to do that all the time is just get rid of things, create space, cancel this, do that. And then I realized actually, I do really want that or I should have <laughs> not been so hasty about getting rid of this thing. Mm -hmm. So you were more in the past on the other end of the spectrum of like, just, just go with things quickly. And now when you give yourself time, it's all good or it's better, it's more, more aligned. Yeah, on both ends of the spectrum and not taking in and saying yes and consuming so much as well as not getting rid of things too quickly or saying no too quickly. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, I wonder if we can go switch topics to the Undefined G-Center. Um, it's something that I've been thinking a lot about, and I, I think of having an undefined G-Center as like almost a, a micro reflector experience because it's like, who, don't know who I am, it's inconsistent, where am I supposed to be going, and I'm curious if from just your overall human design experience, you could speak to what has it felt like for you when your direction's been off in the past, and then how do you change direction or have there been times in the past where you've seen yourself like now with your knowledge of human design like utilize finding direction through environment and people yeah I am so glad you brought up the undefined g center and I love every single thing that you post about the undefined g it resonates with me so deeply and my reflector experience and so there are a couple things I want to mention but I will say that I can very much trace my direction being changed by people. And specifically, I actually wrote a post about this recently. I had this realization of how much my life changed when I met my husband because he's the defined G and he is on his path. Like he is on these train tracks. He's moving forward. He doesn't know exactly where he's going. Sometimes it sounds like he does, but he just knows that it's right for him. And so I feel like I'm kind of in his sidecar sometimes <laughs> but at the same time I didn't lose myself in that relationship because what is his is so distinctly his because he is just so consistent and he is so strongly himself and in the past I also can recognize times in my life where my path has very much changed because I was catalyzed by the identity of someone else, but I got so swept up in it. And so now what rings most true to me about everything that you've kind of brought up with the undefined G, not just in this conversation, but in your email shares and on Instagram and stuff, is how location holds identity. And something that's been coming up for me a lot is a lot of my best girlfriends have moved back to the small town that we grew up in and they're like buying houses there they're starting families and when they ask me if I would ever move there it's just such a hard no for me I just mm. it's very firm that no I wouldn't go back there and I didn't really know why it was just such a closed door for me and then your post about the undefined G and location holding that identity really brought to light that that place carries such a strong 
part of myself and my history that I have like put in a box, put a bow in it, it's on my closet shelf. And I'm just not interested in taking the lid off and going back there because mm. I'm just in a completely different place now. And even thinking to different cities that I've lived in and the identities that I have held while living there, whether it was professional life or relationships or just lifestyle and how I'm just so not those that person anymore. It's not that I can't go back there and enjoy the city for what it is, but somewhere so potent as a place where I spent 20 years of my life, like that is a big identity holder, you know? And it would be really like the thought of moving back there actually makes me feel claustrophobic. And mm. yeah, so that's been a big realization that you've kind of put language to for me about my undefined G center. Hmm. Well, thank you for those, that reflection back. And as you were sharing that feeling of claustrophobic, like what, what resonates for me is like, it's like, as an undefined G, I feel like I can go back to an old environment, but it's like trying to swim against the current. Like I can't, it's harder for me to be a different version of me when I go to an environment that holds an old version of me. Whereas I, I'm going to guess, and I, I see from my defined genes that it's just not quite the same battle because they can like shine themselves out and, and not have to like paddle the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just being flooded with this remembrance of I, so I was living in Stockholm, Sweden for a few years. And then I came back to Vancouver, which is where I had been living previously. And I just came back for a visit. And the whole week that I was there, I was so on edge because I felt like I had transformed so much and I was someone completely different, but being back in the city, I was just having such an identity crisis and I was just, I couldn't relax in the entire week that I was supposed to be on vacation there because I was just so torn between who I was, who I was before I got there and the kind of coming together of the two worlds. Mm. So how do you feel, because you're a kitchen's environment, um, how do you feel where you're living now? I feel good. I live in downtown Kelowna of the city that I live in. Um, and I'm very lucky because I'm a few blocks up from the lake. So for those that don't know, Kelowna is in the Okanagan, which is basically the wine country of Canada. And so we're surrounded by lakes and hills. And I'm lucky enough to live in a really old, cute, quaint home downtown, which is one of the few that's left. Everything is being demolished and turned into high rises. And what I really love about this location is that I can walk everywhere. I can walk to the grocery store. I can walk to get a coffee. I can walk to do some window shopping. I Everything is in walking or biking distance. And I think that has been really key for me in aligning with my correct environment even if I'm not necessarily out and deeply involved in the community all of the time I at least get to sample it and just go out and see what's going on and feel the kind of energies of the people around me just by stepping out my front door and so that's been really great for me especially with the different lifestyles that me and my husband, like he's a generator, a pure generator. He is so in his flow. He works 16 hour days, no problem. And it's just so lit, like thinking about his life absolutely exhausts me, but he loves it. So I am very much on my own a lot. And I think that if I were living in the hills or the mountains, kind of not as close to the center hub of the city, I think I would be really lonely and I think I would feel really disconnected. So I don't mind being alone when I have that easy connection to community and what's going on in my neighborhood, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you were, as you were talking about your generator husband, I was remembering, um, I don't know if you remember this, but in HTCC, we were talking about sleep routines 
and you shared a little bit about like do you remember this conversation like just like how early you go to bed and that sort of thing and it it stuck with me because I was like oh that sounds like a perfect like sacral non-sacral bed arrangement <laughs> do you want to share yeah well he's such a night owl he's very much a creative mind and so he easily stays up until one two two thirty three in the morning no problem and then he wakes up a little later than I do but he can still wake up with his full tank of gas and no matter what time and he's fine and I go to bed super early 9 30 I've been pushing it to like 10 now that it's kind of spring vibes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so in human design of course often we hear the advice of sleeping in separate beds especially for us non-sacral so that we can really decompress and recharge and have a restful sleep and this is kind of the perfect arrangement for us not having separate rooms because I get a few hours completely on my own and I don't necessarily notice any sleep interruption in that way I still wake up feeling super rested even though I do share a bed with him but yeah we are such opposites but it actually has been really supportive in a way because yeah, he naturally gives me my space and I naturally don't want to be super involved in all of the things that he's doing. So we're very individual. Mm, yeah. And I remember, I don't know, uh, I'm like miss if I'm like uh, misquoting you, but I remember like, I think you shared something like he's not allowed to come in until I've fallen asleep. Um, oh yeah. Because then you really get, yeah. Yeah, I need to be out and also like after a certain time just please don't talk to me because I'm in my like wind down mode and then same with in the mornings I have my early morning time where I kind of do my self-care ritual my meditation I need my body I have my nourishing breakfast and he is sleeping during that time and so I need a heads up if he's going to be starting his day earlier than usual because he knows that that is my time and I don't like to be interrupted because if I have to talk too early, it just puts me in a mood. I don't know. I need to adjust yeah. to my day before I can actually talk to people. <laughs> I actually feel so similarly. You see me nodding really hard right now. I, I don't know. I mean, it might be different for each person they're reasoning, but for me, it feels like I have to come out of like my own aura when I'm asked to like engage too early. And I mean, I'll do it um, just, I mean, even reflexively, it's like if someone talks to me, I'm going to talk to them, but it doesn't feel, it feels like I'm being pulled out of myself before I've arrived. Yeah, hundred so, percent. That super resonates. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I don't know about you, but I feel like I get a lot of clients and just people I talk to around human design like lifestyle practices and there can be a lot of like embarrassment or like I don't know is that okay um should I feel guilty about like customizing things to make them work for you and I just I feel like the more we share about these sorts of stories where it's like hey like we have different schedules we have different ways that we honor each other's needs for space and time um the more we can normalize that so yeah Thank you for sharing Yeah, that. definitely. There is no one yeah. size fits all at all when it comes to human design or just what works in partnership. And so it is just such an experiment. And then having the validation of, oh, you're in such a better mood when you have your time in the morning without me interrupting you. And he is in a way better mood when he can just stay up and use the rest of his sacral energy without me saying, hey, it's that time, like, aren't you tired yet? It's late, which I used to do a lot. <laughs> and now I'm just like, okay, you do your thing. And then that way, by the time he comes to bed, I'm just so out that I don't even notice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that like half, half full tank next to you in bed. You want it to be empty. Yeah, definitely. Well, I also, I like how you were saying, you know, it's so clear to you that like he's got his own thing and it reminds me of what you said about his like direction as well of like it's clear that his defined g his identity his direction isn't yours and 
Do you think that compared to like these past relationships or past even just friendships and other kinds of general relationships, that, that was just where you, you were at in your life, like a little more aware of like what was you and what's not yours or something special with him or any other factors there? Yeah, I mean, definitely prior to meeting him, I obviously didn't have this knowledge of human design yet. I didn't have this level of self-awareness. I wasn't able to discern what was mine, what I was picking up from someone else. And that caused me to really get swept away in other people's identities and what they were up to. And some things were great because it was an exploration and it really alerted me to what I didn't want in my life. And other times it was really challenging because I would just have these breakdown moments of who am I? This doesn't feel right. I know I'm meant to do something more or different than this. And when I met my husband, it was very much, I was at this phase of awakening to the fact that I was different and I was living on my own for the first time in my entire life. And that was a hugely pivotal time for me to just live completely on my own, not influenced by family or roommates. And I really started to understand myself on a deeper level and what I actually wanted in my life. And I was so happy to be on my own for the first time ever, because up until that point, I had been really dependent on friendship or relationships. And when I met him, I was very much at this point in my life where I just wanted to be alone. I genuinely wanted to be alone. And we both were not looking for partnership when we found each other. So I think that really is what kind of allowed me to stay true to, to me and have more awareness of who I actually was because I had that time alone and I wasn't seeking anyone to fill a piece of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, I feel like I, I hear that all the time from people about their relationships, like, oh, and then I wasn't looking for anyone or I stopped trying to find someone. Um, and then that, the energy shifts. But it's so interesting that, yeah, that alone time, that first really pivotal alone time is almost like not, I wouldn't, I don't want to say unconscious deconditioning because that doesn't feel totally accurate, but like you were, you were deconditioning without knowing it maybe. Yeah, definitely. And just to come home and walk into my own space that no other aura had been in and it was exactly <laughs> how I left it was the most nourishing thing to me. It just felt so good to have complete autonomy over the energy of my environment. Mm. Well, alone time is important for all different designs for all different reasons, but as a reflector and then also as a second line, you're a five two, I'm a six two. So I get the alone time thing. Um, let's talk about that a little bit more because I think that when people come to human design, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, all these amazing things. Like, yes, this feels true. This is like where I want to go in my life. This is like my soul, you know, being reflected back to me in this information. And then sometimes there's that gap that people realize of like, oh, and, you know, I am in these situations that don't always feel aligned. And one of the first pieces of advice that I think many, many of us give is, figure out what you feel like and get some alone time. But that's not always practical for various reasons. Um, so yeah, how do you navigate like figuring out what amount of alone time is healthy? How can you get it? You know, maybe for yourself now, it sounds like it, you've found a lot of different ways, but like, do you work with people who struggle with getting alone time? Um, and what do you say to them? Yeah, and I've had a few fourth line reflectors come my way that have really been kind of challenged by the advice of spend time alone because they naturally mm -hmm. have this desire to connect. And, and these are these are like four ones and four sixes, maybe, or one fours. 
not two fours, right? As much as it, I'm thinking, because like maybe the two fours would still like a little alone time. Yeah, still like alone time, but I have definitely had a couple of two fours come my way as well that are feeling like they have the energy to connect. And that's really mm. my advice to them. Is if you have the energy to do it, then follow that because it's not always going to be there. And so it's not always possible to have a lot of alone time, especially if you're a parent or you have to be in this work environment and then go home to roommates, for example. But even if at the end of your day, you can just go to bed half an hour before you want to fall asleep and just decompress or take a bath or whatever to just be in your own energy and just kind of rid yourself of the day, even that small little practice can be so, so grounding and helpful. And on the other side of the spectrum is where I think I fall, where I have too much alone time at this point, honestly. And this is something that I'm kind of trying to navigate because I so desperately wanted more alone time when I was in my nine to five job and I felt like I was out in the world all the time and I was just so exhausted. And now I have more alone time than not. And even when I do connect with other people on the daily, it's on a screen. And so that has been the reality for a lot of us for the past couple of years. And so now that the world is kind of opening up, I'm realizing that I am craving like a physical in real life community and connection. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I'm kind of trying to figure that out because I definitely, when I am alone too much, I feel equally depleted on a, in a different way, but still just slow and not necessarily myself and not super motivated because having that exchange is kind of like a spark for us reflectors. So just as important as it is to be alone, it is equally as important to have people that we can exchange with and kind of feed off of sometimes. So yeah, that's something that I am trying to navigate right now. It's like, okay, I've been alone a lot. And now it's kind of, I'm having this natural craving to have more personal, real world connections, which I previously wanted less of. So yeah, I'm kind of in this middle space. And yeah, I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum where I can speak more to what it feels like to be alone too much. Totally. Well, what you just shared totally resonates with me as well. I mean, I live, I've lived in Sedona for the last year now. And when I first, I mean, even before I moved there, after I had left my, my corporate job at the beginning of 2020, like there was a good amount of time where my, my physical body was so out of balance. I was like, oh my gosh, like I, if I hung out with like, if I had two social engagements in a day, I was like really proud of myself and also really tired and needed like days to recover. Um, but now I can feel this shift in my system where like, that's not necessary anymore. It's like the holes in my aura have been patched up a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now I'm feeling more of the non-sacral piece and this like, oh, I actually get a lot out of feeling the all the energy around me I mean sacral or otherwise and maybe this speaks to some of this restlessness that you were sharing about earlier too or, or maybe not maybe that's a different topic but similarly I relate to feeling like huh I want a little more input because I'm a little too hermity right now so yeah you're not alone in that and and there's also this this other piece around like collectively too like over the past few couple past few years that we've gone from you know pre-2020 everyone it, it felt like to me at least everyone was always busy we were all kind of running around and then everybody got some alone time um you know to different degrees and now like how do we find that balance back because it isn't you know in some ways like my mind wants to be like well there's this perfect amount of alone time that I can get and I just follow that and I'm good but in reality it's much more fluid than that unfortunately or unfortunately depending on how you want to see it yeah I love how you said 
the aura, the holes in your aura have been patched up. That just feels so, so true for me. And I also love how you said that you're craving input because Mm. I'm not craving to output. I'm not Mm. craving to show up on social media more. I don't know. I don't have the energy for that for some reason. And I'm also not the one to go out and start the thing and say, hey, do you guys all want to go away for a weekend? Like that feels like output to me, but I want to like show up and receive the energy of others and just kind of like sample it and just enjoy it. And that's Which very is your much- purpose, right? As a reflector, yeah. like you're here to take it in and shine it back. Totally. And that has 100% been a shift of like, rather than craving connection in the form of output, I'm very much craving connection in the form of input, like come to me and share your energy with me. So how does that look for you? Because I, I can imagine you like in your in your city, in your kitchen's environment, like going out and getting a coffee, for example, but are there other ways you you get people to input into you? So I have a that really, sounded kind of weird, but <laughs> I know what you mean. I have a really amazing group of girlfriends. We don't all live close to each other, but they're so great at planning things. And mm-hmm. we hadn't been doing a lot of it over the past couple of years. But in the summer, we have some exciting things like a friend's getting married. We have like a girl's trip planned at the end of April. And so I'm kind of just using this kind of restless time as a blessing to really prepare myself, I guess, for these social commitments that I have coming up. Because I know that despite how much I'm looking forward to this afterwards, I'm going to feel, as you described, just drained and like I need to sleep for a couple of days. Nobody talks to me. But I'm just looking forward to just show up and just be around them. And that is something that they have really supported me into. Like they do like the planning and the grocery shopping. They just tell me how much to pay, where to be, and I can just show up. And that feels really good for me. Whereas previously, I think I would have had a lot of shame and kind of discomfort around being the one to just show up and not offer to like pick all these people up from the ferry and to do all the grocery shopping and to make a list for this and to make the booking I would kind of push myself to do those things because I didn't want to be seen as lazy or like I wanted to people to think I was contributing but now that I'm really coming to embrace how I'm supposed to operate in the world and that my friends are also really open to human design. I have obviously done sessions for all of them because (laughs) yeah, yeah, you you have to. And so I feel really lucky in that way. And that's what I'm looking forward to are these plans that I have over the next few months with friends and family where I get to just show up and just be in people's energy without needing to output and do and use that mechanical energy that I'm it's so finite for me when you've gone into those human design conversations with your friends who are obviously different types I'm assuming has that what you've just shared come up in conversation of like oh you know when we do these group things in the past they would have felt bad for not doing as much but actually like you all are the doers and I play a different role like has that come up as a like a deliberate conversation yeah, we've definitely talked a lot about human design as a group, and we, I kind of have done like an impromptu group reading for our, our friends, um, but it is very much, like, they're just so open to it, and we have all known each other for so long. Some of us have been friends for like 20 years since we were children, so we are very much at this level of like acceptance and mutual love already and so there is just such an opening for understanding each other even better and to really support each other even more than we already have been and any opportunity that I have to talk about human design as soon as there's an opening or as soon as someone does something I I'm just dying to slide in and like analyze the situation from a human design perspective. So I bring it up a lot for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I was curious because 
you know, sometimes we can have these, these parts or maybe think that we think are shameful, but like really everybody around us is actually like, no, no, we love you for something else, you know? So whether or not that you have a conversation like that, you know, in actual conversation or it's just implied, it can be super, super healing or, you know, just allows you to love people in a different way. So yeah. Um, and we'll work. Go ahead. I was just going to give an example of like, we have a couple of manifestors in our group and one of them and at the last event that we were at all together a weekend away, there was a moment where we were all like in the living room, just kind of chatting. And I could see that she was pouting. Like she didn't want to do that. There was something else that she wanted to be doing. And so we actually had a session after that. And I was telling her like, you wanted to do something else in that moment. And everyone could feel that like you weren't, because the energy is so powerful of a manifester. Pouting is a form of anger. Yeah. <laughs> Pouting is a form of anger. <laughs> yeah. And so I was telling her like, when you feel like that, tell us what you want to do, whether you just go off and do it by yourself or just let us know that you're doing it so that if we want to join in, we can. It is so correct for you to change the tone, to change the vibe, because you actually have the power to do that. You walk into the room and the energy shifts. And so that was really powerful for her to understand in our friend dynamic as well, feeling like she needed to stay small in those moments or conform to what everyone else is doing. And then for all of us to now have this understanding of no, like let's really encourage the manifestors in our group to lead the way. And even if we don't all want to do the same thing, like someone's going to want to join in on what they're up to. Mm -hmm. I love that story so much because yeah, it, it, it's such a small change, but like she probably just didn't know that was available and now she does. And like now she gets to be her, be her best manifest herself. <laughs> yeah. And for the rest of us too, not feeling or wondering, did we do something wrong or why is she feeling that way? And now to have the understanding or the mutual understanding of how she operates is like, she was just in her not self. She didn't want to be doing that anymore. And we can really support her by asking her what, what to do next. And yeah, so just little tiny tweaks like that has just really helped our relationship grow stronger for sure. Mm, so good. Well, um, starting to wrap up, there's one last question. I'm curious if there's anything that comes to mind in your own human design experiment, has there been anything that's just alive for you right now that you've learned about your own design or that you're reflecting on about your own design? I think I've just really been anchoring into my incarnation cross more and more, which I didn't mm -hmm. previously have much of a knowledge about. And I mean, still, and, it can be really challenging to understand. And you're a left angle cross um, of incarnation. Just as yeah. for everyone listening. So your yeah. son is in the the forty fourth gate. Yeah. So is there like that one too? I circle back for myself. I'm like, oh, I kind of get it. I see it this way. I see it that way. So, what's been coming up for you with incarnation grass? Yeah, just kind of recognizing that I am not necessarily here, and my innocence motivation as well. I'm not necessarily mm -hmm. here to lead from the front and be this big loud voice at the forefront of change but I'm kind of here to just humbly sit back and let people come to me and to be that one that can pull out what is special about someone and to bring mm -hmm. their gifts to light and to be that kind of stepping stone for their own transformation and growth and that is something that I'm just really owning more and more and recognizing so strongly coming through in my sessions and in my work, especially when I have a session with someone and then I don't see them for a couple of months and then they book a follow-up and how much has changed in their life in those two months from and you one hour call. Because you have the memory. Yeah. Yeah. And that has just been the most rewarding thing. And I think it's been coming up a lot as well because the last month I swear all of my sessions have been follow-up and it's just been so interesting to see that 
I do not take credit for anyone's change. That is absolutely on the person and it is completely their doing and their, it took their courage and strength to get to where they are. But to just be that kind of guiding force behind, behind the scenes and to be the one that's just reminding them of who they are and what's so great about them and also clearing away the gunk and the darkness and the stuff that they don't need anymore, that it comes really naturally to me to pick up on what those things are. So yeah, I think my understanding of my incarnation cross and how it's tied to my purpose is constantly evolving, but it's really been coming to the forefront more and more lately as I've been having more consistent and yeah, just more follow-ups and ongoing connections with clients as opposed to just the one and done sessions, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I, I love that just what you said around like you're here to kind of like see what's already happened I I think as opposed to like needing some idea of like oh you got to be super like new and innovative or whatever preconceptions we might have about how how that's supposed to be and how worthy or not that is Um, and to just realize like oh I am living my gift right now in life right now and being able to look at your design and see how it plays out is so cool to hear so thank you for sharing that um where can people find you if they want to learn more get in touch be in your aura be reflected back by you yeah so i'm most prominently on instagram so my handle is at tanyareas.hd and my website is tanyareashumandesign.com my email is on my website i'm super happy to connect with people as you all have probably heard i'm like creating this more real connection with people and just to go deeper and especially inviting reflectors in I just learn so much about myself in when I get to exchange energy with a reflector because so much of my own experience I don't know if it's a reflector thing is this an undefined g thing is this an undefined root thing is this my profile and so it's really validating for my own experience and really helps me in guiding other reflectors when I have the opportunity to spend time with another reflector and understand their life experience and share mine and see what lands and yeah so that's where you can find me and yeah amazing and is there anything that you're sharing offering wise that you want to tell people about um, obviously they can book sessions with you and have we were talking about this offline once and it's like reflectors are the ultimate hype person so <laughs> just definitely feeling that as you share but um, yeah anything else uh, that we didn't touch on that you want to let people know about yeah I've been doing primarily one-on-one readings I also have been doing a lot of family sessions lately which I just love doing readings for parents on their children's charts because I just have so much empathy for specifically little reflectors and little projectors. I mean, all, all little beings, but it just warms my heart. And like, I, I think I tear up every family session when I just have this breakthrough moment with a parent of like, oh, I've been telling them not to do that, but that's actually something that they should be doing and is natural for them or something that they haven't been encouraging. And so I really, really love to have sessions with parents on their children's chart. And then I've also been doing one-to-one mentorship for people who are either self-studying human design or are in a training program and want some extra support or are just looking to learn human design from scratch. I'm very much a, a one-on-one connection person. And so I have been holding space in that way for people as well. Oh my gosh, so incredible. Well, it's so amazing to see you step into your gifts and your power and share all these things. And I'm so happy that we were able to have this conversation. Thank you, Victoria. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. If you did, a couple quick asks. 
First, would you be willing to show some support with a review or sharing with a friend, maybe someone you're trying to get into human design? With the review, I know a lot of us are listening on the go, so myself included. So if you could pause while you're in line at the store or remember to check back in later, it is a free way to show some recognition, which you know I deeply appreciate as a projector. So thanks in advance. And secondly, I also love hearing what you're taking away from the episode. So if you want to take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at victoriajane.hd, I love knowing what you learned or if there's anything you have more questions on. We can always do future episodes and go deeper. I love connecting in that way via stories too, so feel free to do that. And thanks so much. See you on the next episode. 